0: Do you know any influential people in Pueblo? Are there names that come to your mind? So the next question is this. Are you an influential person in Pueblo? Hmm, I heard a few people go, hmm. Nah. Okay, well, here's the challenge for today. I want us to look at a passage of Scripture and see what God has to say about that, okay? Um a few weeks ago, not years ago, when Pastor Charlie was preaching through the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. On Monday after I'd been following uh, the, the sermon in my Bible app on my tablet in the 1230 service, so it was Monday morning before I opened my tablet again and I went to the Bible app. And Matthew chapter 5 popped up that I'd been following the day before during the sermon. So I just reread through the Beatitudes, and then I kept on reading to the next point in Jesus' lengthy sermon there, in the Sermon on the Mount. And the Lord really began to speak to me out of it, and I want to just share with you some of the things God was teaching me a few weeks ago in that next point in the Sermon on the Mount. I want us to understand what Jesus had to say about influential people. So uh, if you turn in Matthew chapter 5 beginning at verse 13 in your Bibles, your devices, remember YouVersion online has our sermon outlines and everything on that so YouVersion.com and you can go look for a live event and find Fellowship of the Rockies and follow all the sermon notes on that. But anyway, whatever you're using, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 is where I want us to begin and just read about four verses. Jesus is speaking, so keep in mind, it's him and he's talking to followers, disciples of his. He said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Verse 14 You are the light of the world. A second word picture Jesus uses. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all the house, all in the house. In the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So going back to my earlier question, are you an influential person in Pueblo? I think Jesus has some really pointed things to say to every one of us. And the first answer He has for us here, I believe answers that question and then we'll unpack five or six other things that He teaches us here. The first one is yes, you do do Have influence where you live in Pueblo. If you don't live in Pueblo, then you have influence in that place. See, Jesus didn't say, Hey, listen up, I need you to understand that you have a lot of influence that you may not realize. He didn't say it that way. He did what he often did, and that is he told a story and he used word pictures. And here's what he said You are salt, you are light. He didn't say, now some of you in this group could be salt, some of you could be light, some of you are just nobodies that have nothing going for you. He didn't say that, okay? But what I just said is sometimes how in a group this size or any size if I did a survey some people would say, yeah I think I am I think maybe I am, no I don't think I am. And I'm talking about Christians, those who have been born again. I think in my experience of 40 years being a pastor, I've encountered people who would have that variety of responses. Jesus didn't say it that way. He said, You are salt, you are light, you do have influence. And let's be really clear it's not because you're so special, all right? It's not because I'm so special. Because to be honest, none of us are that special. No matter what the little song you sang in kindergarten said I'm so special that kind of a thing. You know all 27 of those little princes and princesses are all trying to be the top prince or princess in the, in the kindergarten and their bubble just got burst from the previous five years of their life of their parents or, or people telling them that they were the prince and princess and, and nobody liked them in the world and they go into a classroom and everybody's kind of like them. And they're all vying for the top. It's not because we're special. We don't have to build up something and keep telling each other, "You're so special. You're so special." Here's why: we're salt and light. Here's why we're something different, something special. Colossians chapter one, verse twenty-six through twenty-seven. Uh, this this little passage years and years ago spoke to me, and I've held on to this one phrase. Now verse 26 kind of starts in the middle of a sentence, but it, it reveals the topic Paul is talking about, the Apostle Paul. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. That mystery is the mystery of how we can know God, how we can have a relationship with God. It may have been hidden, it was veiled for generations, but he says now it's revealed to his saints. Not saints uppercase S, but saints lowercase S. Everybody who's been born again, we're using saints here in the biblical sense, and that means anyone who's given their life to Jesus Christ is called a saint in the New Testament. So he's revealed to those who are believers. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles, so it's including everybody, are the riches of the glory of this mystery. How rich this mystery of salvation is. And here's the phrase, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So here's the picture. I'm not special because I'm somebody. You're not special because you're somebody better than me or I than you. We are salt and light. We're something worthwhile because when we give our life to Jesus Christ, it says He comes in to live in us. That's why we're something special. That's why we can have influence. Not because we're so cool or because we're so powerful. But because Jesus Christ lives in us, and He says we have influence. Every person who is born again believer has more influence than you possibly could ever understand because Jesus Christ can have all the influence in the world. We can influence people because of Christ in us. The second thing I think this teaches us that Jesus is trying to teach us, teach me, is that you're not alone. Often I talk to people, and in their workplace, they feel like they're the only person. You may be the only believer in Jesus Christ in your workplace, but get this. You are still not alone. The, in the Greek language here, and when I say in the Greek, uh, you'll say, what, what does that have to do with anything? When Pastor Charlie mentions that, it's because the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. So when you go back to that original language you see that the word you is plural. Now in the English language that's not quite as easy for us. If I say, you need to understand what God's teaching, uh, hopefully in this setting everybody would think, well he's talking to all of us. But if I said, Bill, you need to understand what God's teaching, everybody not named Bill would tune out. Okay? We get it from context. But in the Greek language it's you singular or you plural. And so Jesus here is saying, you, plural, everybody, all Christians, are salt. You are light. Now, the reason that gives me encouragement is because if I'm one grain of salt, what can I do to share Jesus with the whole world? But if every believer on the face of the earth is included in that, and all of us are being salt All of us are being light. There is great hope that we can make a difference in the world. That God would use us to make a difference in friends' lives, family members' lives, work associates, school associates. God doesn't use us just individually. He uses us all together as well. So On an iPad, if you make a stroke this way, it goes backwards in your manuscript. I just made that amazing discovery. And so I looked down and it was like, I've already said that. Sorry. (laughs) Now, it's one thing for me to take all of that out of that one word, you. But is there anything else in Scripture that confirms that God really is going to use all of us and it's going to make a difference in the end. So, as I kind of had that question as I was studying it, I thought I'll just go to the end and see. Well, to the book of Revelation and I found this passage that was really encouraging to me. In Revelation 12, he's talking about the end of time when God ushers in the kingdom. And it's, it's finally evident to everybody that God is God. And Jesus Christ is Lord of all and the King of kings. And Satan is overpowered. Listen to it. It says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Satan is accusing us all the time to God. But guess what? In the end, every little grain of salt in the whole world wins because Satan is thrown down and the kingdom of God is ushered in and everybody through the ages wins. We don't have to worry if we can make a difference. Here's how I know. It says, "...and they have conquered him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, not in their own power." By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they didn't love their lives even unto death. The word of their testimony when they spoke the truth, that's how Satan was conquered. All the church wins because all of us are in it together. From generations and centuries past to every how many centuries in the future God gives us before the end, that end of time comes We are salt, we are light, but we are not alone. God uses every one of us individually to become more than we possibly could be alone. Third thing I would have to say, and this I think speaks to lots and lots of Christians, because we worry. We worry if we have measured up. You don't have to worry. Jesus helps us understand that. But we need some explaining so that we don't misunderstand what Jesus said. Right up front, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if, many people go, oh, I knew there was a but if. I knew I probably wasn't going to measure up. So listen closely to what it sounds like, and then I'll explain what Jesus is saying. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now you might be thinking, oh, well last week I think I probably was thrown out and trampled under people's feet. My performance was so bad I, it just really stunk and God probably got tired of me and He threw me out. That's not what He's saying, okay? He's not saying as it, we can be His children one day and then the next day, eh, I don't think you're doing so well. You're trash. I'm just going to throw you out in the path so people can trample on you. Look, he's not saying that at all. Here's what he's saying. If I take a a, a teaspoon of salt and I taste that, it's going to taste like salt, right? But if I take that same teaspoon of salt and I dump it into a bucket of dirt and I stir it all up together and then I'm crazy enough to stick a spoon in there and taste that, is it going to taste like salt? It's going to taste like dirt pretty much, right? Why? Because that amount of salt had so much dirt mixed with it that you couldn't taste the salt any longer. Now, did that salt change into dirt? Audience participation time. Did the salt change into dirt? Thank you very much. The salt is still there, but it tastes like dirt because I mixed so much dirt with it. Salt will always be salt. It will never change into dirt. And a person who has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will never turn into dirt or trash or not a child of God. But we could allow dirt in our lives and people who would taste the flavor of our lives would go "Mm, that tastes a lot like dirt. And not very much like Jesus. See what I'm saying? Now you say Dwayne how can you be so sure that once you're salt, once you're Jesus Christ's adopted child that, that He doesn't throw you out for people to trample on. Here's what I know. What Jesus said. John chapter 10. Let me walk through it with you. John chapter 10 verse 27. Now Jesus calls us something different than salt and light here. He calls us His sheep. But, but the analogy still works. He says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Listen. Listen. He knows me personally. And that word know is such a close relationship that He never, ever forgets us. He's not like you or me. We can meet someone and five minutes later in conversation we go, uh, what was your name? I'm sorry. Jesus doesn't do that. We're His child. He knows us like we've never been known before. And He never forgets. Verse 28. He, said, he gives us three things here. I think we're pretty dull, so he gave us, you know, overkill. Any one of these things would have co- should have convinced us, but he knew we needed more than just one. He said, I give them eternal life. Eternal means how long? Yes, you got it right, forever. He said, I give them eternal life. And just in case you don't believe that, that one word, forever. And they will never perish. In other words, we'll never die spiritually we will die physically. But we, those who have been born again will never die spiritually. So I give them forever life, and they will never die spiritually, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Listen, here's the scenario. Jesus is never kind of distracted over here with this person, and, and Satan sneaks up and goes, whoop, gotcha. And says, I sneaked one out of Jesus Christ's hand. Doesn't happen. Won't ever happen. So he gives us three pictures there to say, when you belong to me, it's forever deal. And then he he throws down the trump card. I, I, in college, I, I played, I majored in in spades. In college, I, I did pretty well in my d- degree as far as grades and all. But the first three years in the dorm, I majored in playing spades late at night. And the ace of spades, you know, when you had the ace of spades, that was it. So that's that's kind of my frame of reference here. So Jesus throws down the highest trump card, and He says, by the way, in case somebody doesn't believe all of that that I just said, He says this, my Father. And I I can almost imagine, you know, I have this goofy voice of God memory or thought, and I'm thinking, you know, His voice had to kind of resonate like God, my Father, who has given them to me all these people he's the sheep he's given them to me is greater than all there is none greater and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand just in case you're concerned about jesus not being able to hang on to you he says by the way the father has you too and nobody can trump the father so if you've given your life to jesus christ you don't have to worry you are salt You are light. And He has designed you to be an influential person in Pueblo or wherever you live, wherever you work. Now another thing that salt and light teaches us is that you are different. See, salt is not like the food that it's sprinkled on. Nobody sprinkles salt on a pile of salt. Okay? Hopefully you don't eat a pile of salt. But Salt is different than the food it's sprinkled on to or poured into in order to season. Light is not like the darkness that it is designed to overcome and dispel. If it were the same, if salt were the same as what it was put on, if light were the same as what it was shined into, it would have no influence at all. It would not be a change agent. So this picture is what Jesus said to His disciples in John 17. He was praying to the Father, and He was praying for those who were closest to Him before He left to go back to the Father. And one, one sentence He said in the middle of that prayer, He said to the Father, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So Jesus, we would all agree, Jesus is quite different than the world, than, uh, than the, the people of the world who don't embrace Jesus. Correct. So He says, they, His disciples, and later in this prayer He prayed for all who would believe on His name, so that includes all of us. He said, they're not of the world. They are different in character and nature than the world. So He's given us new life and we're no longer like the world. He knew that if He made us different on the inside, then we could make a difference. We could be different than all those around us. The fifth thing I just said is, you can make a difference. I cannot tell you how many people I talk to over years and years and they say, you know, I, I just don't think I'm making a difference in my family or at my workplace or at school or wherever it is they're concerned about. I, I, just, I don't know if I'm making a difference or if I can make a difference. And they just kind of sometimes give up hope that they'll ever make a difference. I, I think Jesus says, You do and you will and you can because of the nature of who you are on the inside. Salt always makes a difference when it's added. Light is never overcome by darkness when light is shined into darkness. See, salt was an intentional choice on Jesus' part. Light was an intentional choice. Let's look at salt first, okay? Salt adds flavor. It's used in curing meat. It's used to retard spoilage in food. The picture here I believe if we move from literal salt over to what Jesus is saying to us is is this picture. When we trust Him and know that Christ lives in us and gives us the power and the ability to obey Him when we'll believe that and we trust His Word and we actually obey Him it slows down disobedience and corruption in the world. It's that simple. And the more of us throughout the world, the more believers, all those believers together who continually decide to believe God and obey Him because He lives inside of them and gives them the power to do it, then the more that salt retards the spoilage of this world. So salt really speaks to what we do, our obedience and our trust in God. Let's look at light. Light shines into darkness and changes the entire landscape. I think light doesn't speak so much to our actions, but it speaks to our words. Here's the picture, I think, of we speak truth, we speak God's Word, we speak truth. The Holy Spirit uses that and it changes somebody's lives. Please understand, I'm not saying that I can speak into your life and I can change you. That would be nonsense. That, I would be delusional if I believed that. But I do believe every one of us we can read God's Word daily like many of us life journal and daily we read God's Word. We apply it to our lives. We can share with other people what God is teaching us. The truth from His Word, the Holy Spirit will take that. He will change that person. That's is light. And so I believe salt speaks to our actions, our behavior, and light speaks to our words. So the right amount of salt will give a perfect flavor. For instance, I behave differently than someone else when I go through a hardship. I trust God. I have faith. I have a positive outlook. I can even have joy in the midst of suffering and struggle. That behavior catches somebody's attention because that's not a typical response to hardship and adversity. Then I can say, here's what God's Word teaches me, here's what God has done in my life, and I shine that light of truth into their lives. Listen, I can make a difference. Not because I'm special, but because Jesus is in me. Final thought. I've been talking about you and me, you and me, you and me, what we can do because Jesus is in us. But let's look at the very last verse. Jesus gives us really important mindset, a perspective we must have and we must keep throughout our life if we're going to make a difference. In verse 16 He says it this way, in the same way let your light shine before others. Remember that's speaking the truth, His truth so that they may see your good works, they see what you do, and give glory to the Father who's in heaven. The final point is this, it's not about you. It's not about me. Jesus said, "When I think if I could paraphrase this, when people see your light shining, you speak the truth, and the Holy Spirit turns on the light in their life too, you see that's His work, that's not my work, that's not your work. When the Holy Spirit turns on the light in their life, They'll have enough spiritual understanding that they'll know it's not about you and it's not about them. and They'll give glory to the Father also. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 emphasized this for us. He said in, in the middle of a, a dialogue with some people and, a, and writing them a letter uh, about some problems they were having about well I don't eat this kind of meat I don't eat that. And, the, and they had this legalistic argument going and Paul in the middle of that he says so whether you eat or drink or don't eat or drink or whatever you do. He just decided to bring everything in their life into the equation. Whatever you do do all to the glory of God. That's the picture. The clear teaching of the Bible is this. You do have influence if you're born again. You are salt. You have the ability to obey Jesus Christ because He lives in you. You have the ability to shine light. And that ability continually increases as we get in God's Word and He shows us more of His truth. We can with great love and grace share that truth with other people, not condescendingly but with grace and love share that truth with people and He'll use us to influence them and His Holy Spirit can work through that and we can see other people's lives transformed. How amazing is that? It doesn't just depend on me. It depends on Jesus Christ in me and it depends on Jesus Christ in every believer all over the world and he will make a difference in us then through us. Now today we have a beautiful picture of how Jesus Christ paid the price so he could live in us when we repent and believe on him.